Hey, welcome again to the Afero podcast series. Today I have the very big pleasure of having Travis Hagens with me. Travis works for a company called Google. You're all familiar with that. You can Google it if you're not. And he is the focal point for IoT ecosystem partners. Uh, we're delighted to have you, Travis. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Travis, give us a little bit about what Google is doing with IoT and your general perspective on IoT. It's obviously a really big area with lots of use cases. It's worthy of a company like Google to pay attention to and to solve the big problems that exist there. Yeah. You know, when we talk to customers, the biggest thing that we've seen is IoT is becoming part of every company's digital transformation or journey to digital or as they digitize their business in general. IoT is at the center oftentimes of a lot of those conversations. And it's ultimately becoming less and less about the technology behind IoT, but more about the business outcomes that these companies are really trying to achieve. While we talk to these organizations and we, we get a good understanding of all of these challenges, the big thing that we're seeing from a, a solution to these problems perspective is, is that there's a lot of cost, there's a lot of complexity, and there's a lot of things that go into building a connected product, for instance, or a connected solution. And so Google feels strongly that based on some of our own experiences building connected product um, that many people use, so things like Google Home and Nest. Waymo and, and Android and other things that, you know, we really have our own products and our partner solutions, some great offerings that we can put together to help companies solve these challenges. Right. So these projects are very complex. Sometimes, maybe often, they have to struggle becoming successful. They're hard to do. Part of, I think, the reason they are hard to do is they span such a wide spectrum. They go from a sensor all the way to the cloud and back. Uh, I was reading some statistics that says some 75% of IoT projects actually fail. Some 90% of data is never used. You know, why is that? Where do you see the challenges there? No, that's a good point. We'd see the same thing. You know, I'd say first, when you think about just the challenges of building a globally scalable, highly distributed, connected solution, again, whether that's a product that you're going to sell to your customers or connecting up your manufacturing line. You know, there's a lot of skill sets that are required to really do that from end to end. If you think about you need someone who's an expert on embedded engineering and devices, and you need to understand mobile communication and how radios work and antennas work and how you make sure that an asset, you know, can actually just connect. You know, you have to understand absolutely about security and both edge and device security, but also cloud security. You need to understand how to use the cloud many times because we see that's a natural landing place for IoT workloads or applications because of the sheer potential volume and scale that those things can bring. So you need to understand how to use the cloud provider's tools. And then mm. what we're really seeing now is that one of the things that many customers have told us is that they've, they've successfully maybe implemented you know, a connected product or a solution in the past. But to your point, a lot of what they're doing is simply gathering data about that device or the environment that the device is in, and then maybe doing some basic visualization, putting some data on graphs and looking at charts over time, you know, controlling the data. But ultimately, when it comes down to, to getting the return on the investment that they need to make to do all those things I just described, they don't feel that they're really getting it. And we feel strongly that when you look at things like machine learning and you look at other forms of artificial intelligence, that's the way that you can really begin to unlock insights in that data that can help you unlock a new business model or service your customers in a new way. But with that, that comes also, again, another skill set that you need to do. So, I mean, I think at the end of the day, what we hear from most customers is that they're really looking for something that's a little bit more packaged, so that does have some flexibility, that does have the ability for them to sort of make some decisions on the types of devices or how the data is maybe visualized. But ultimately, they want to 
remove a lot of this complexity by having you know their technology partners sort of do some of that work for them. I know our engineers have been all over this space just to see what they can leverage and who's got what out there so they don't reinvent the wheel. And I see Google addressing a lot of these requirements. Obviously, you guys have the software that runs on the device, whether it's Android or a trimmed down version of it, Android things, whether it's the feeding of the data to the cloud via standard protocols. Of course, once you get to the cloud, then it's just a candy store with the vast capabilities of cloud, data management, uh, simulation to machine learning, to AI, to digital assistants. I know one of the things that they really like about the Google platform is how easy it is to manage things, not just the functionality that's out there and some really cool stuff. And of course, you map it all to Google Maps and then you get this beautiful visual. We just launched our Ferro console, an enhanced version of it. And the part that really gets everybody in a demo is when they look at Google Maps and they turn on a device at home and it just, boom, lights up on Google Maps. Yeah, you know, and, and I would add simplifying some of the things that I think Google brings as well as our partnership is really simplifying the ability for them to really build a solution, especially when it comes to things like machine learning or enabling really global scale. And so across the board, when you look at many, if not all, not all the services, but many of the services that Google Cloud offers, they're all built on what we call a serverless technology framework. So essentially what you're doing is, is you're giving Google a little bit more responsibility in managing things like scale. So for many of our offerings like Dataflow or BigQuery or some of these other data and analytics tools, they are completely serverless. So our end users and developers and customers, they never have to actually touch a virtual machine. So if you think about the patching and the scaling of that infrastructure as data gets ingested, security, everything associated with managing that underlying infrastructure, we actually take care of for our customers. So they can focus more time on writing their queries or or writing their code. And so it gives them the ability to focus their, their efforts on that. And for IoT, we really see that to be very applicable because you know, we've worked with plenty of customers in the past where they maybe build a connected product or a connected solution. And, and that connected product success actually can ultimately be their downfall because they didn't expect that they were going to sell as many units or that people would be interacting with those units in the way they did. Their backend uh, architecture for processing the data coming off those things wasn't necessarily set for at least that level of scale. And then the application falls over and their end users are upset. And so by working with serverless technologies, you remove a lot of that because essentially you're just telling Google how big you want to scale how many cores mm -hmm. do you need in order to power those things um, you know the second thing really is is that we also have done a lot of work around simplifying the process of, of doing machine learning so you know machine learning is a term gets used quite a bit and we see it being very relevant with IOT because that's ultimately why many of our customers are trying to connect an asset of any type is they want to automate a process or they want to find insights in the data that they can't get by people looking at graphs. And so um, Google has released a number of different products on our cloud platform like uh, AutoML Vision, for instance, which mm -hmm. is a point and click way for you to build and train your own custom machine learning model to really recognize anything you want in a still image or our APIs that are available for doing things like uh, translation or speech-to-text. You can use these types of offerings without having to be a data scientist. So you just can be a developer who knows how to use an API. You don't need to be an expert on TensorFlow or Python or R. You just need to know how to use an API. So these are these are big differentiators that we see a lot of people coming to Google Cloud. And the thing that we really see from a Pharaoh is you're really enabling a new class of devices, these very small kind of micro-clients. 
Um, sometimes they can't even run an operating system. Uh, you're really packaging that together with a lot of elements around security to make sure that if I am building a connected product or a connected solution, that it's not going to be tampered with, hacked, or misused. And the ability for you to onboard a device get that device connected on a global scale and then start transmitting that data to Google Cloud so that we can start doing those things that I just described. It's a really, really big differentiator, I think, that's in the market when you start looking at binding our two technologies and it's closing the loop so that between our two technologies, you can control many of these things from you know, your mobile app, but you're, you're really given the ability for a customer to interact with the device through a phone as well as build a complete end-to-end -end solution in a much more simplified way than I think they would get by stitching together all of those pieces of technology on their own. That's exactly right. Let's look at a few examples. I know you've got a few, if not hundreds, and thanks to our joint activities, we're rapidly adding to our list. Uh, we've been working with Kenmore, the big appliance maker in the US, and a really good brand in the US. Also with D-Link, the home connectivity, actually also small enterprise and enterprise connectivity company. We're working with a beverage company in Japan, working with Sumug, a bike lock device company in Japan as well. And they have also worked that into a bike sharing, bike renting service also in Japan. That is really pretty cool. With Kenmore, we've done over 25 appliances now in less than two years. And part of that really is the strength of that integration that you spoke to that brings everything from the sensor and the device and the mobile app all the way to connecting to the cloud and then all the activities and the analysis and the value that you get from the data in the cloud and then closing that loop back into the device to control it and monitor it and over the air update it and do all of that for a lot of appliances because you reuse what you've done before. What do you see as you look at the examples and the trends that are coming your way? Yeah, I think a lot of the use cases that we're getting pulled into and the customers we're talking to are really more in actually the industrial segment, which is something that I don't think maybe people off the cuff, if you asked a bunch of people where you would find Google, might not be the place. But, but we are seeing that with a lot of companies who are in manufacturing or energy and oil and gas and smart cities, they're really looking to utilize a number of different tools that Google Cloud offers, whether it's some of those serverless and scales capabilities or, or ultimately machine learning. So, I mean, an interesting example on a, we were working on with a customer just a couple of weeks ago, and it's going to be rolled out here shortly, is we had a customer who has a very large manufacturer of, well, I won't say what, they're a very large manufacturer of things that all of us use every day, one way or the other. Oh, cool. Um, they have an industrial manufacturing line, and the way that line works is you have a number of different parts that go at the top of the line. And some of it is automated through robots. Some of it is actually people, but those parts kind of move down the line. One part goes into the next part. So think of you have a screw that goes into a bigger piece of the, of the product, and then there's a bolt that gets added onto the end of it, and then something gets screwed in. And one of the challenges that they have is, is that when you look at some of these parts like bolts and screws, is that a bolt, they have several different types of bolts and screws that are used in their products. And they are all different lengths, different widths. One of the challenges they run into is, is that if you take one of the wrong bolts and you put it in the product at the top of the line, it'll effectively ruin the actual product that it's going into. It'll also throw off the calibration of the robotic arm and the tool set essentially that's used to automatically screw that bolt in. And then it effectively can cause all these challenges down that manufacturing line as that product moves down to get more things built, you know, sort of put onto it. And so the way they're solving this today is doing a really, really good job trying to visually by hand inspect 
all of those parts before they go into the top of the line, but they're still getting issues and challenges. And so what happens is, is if this happens, even if it happens once, the entire line has to shut down. None of the products that are going through this get to get finished and they have to recalibrate everything. So we worked with them to build and train to grab a bunch of information and images about the specific bolt that needs to be down at a specific line. We built and trained a machine learning model for computer vision using several Google Cloud products to recognize one bolt from another within an eighth of an inch, so very, very small. They then outfitted that model onto a camera on the manufacturing line, so as these different bolts are running down the line through feeder, once the camera recognizes a bolt that is of the wrong length, just a small arm knocks it off the line onto a bucket on the floor. In the past, again, that was a person or several people having to sit there and stare and do that same type of activity, and the error rate was still there. So not only we reduced the error rate from that happening, but then we automated a task so that that person can go focus on something else. That's one example of how we see machine learning and other technologies being used in maybe different ways than you might not expect in the industrial or manufacturing side. This is really the kind of example that shows how exciting IoT can be. To your point, I hear industrial IoT and I hear fourth industrial revolution as labels that are put in front of these projects. A similar one, we were talking to a construction company. In a construction site, they obviously have sensors and more than before. So we ask, so just how many sensors do you have in a typical construction? Now, these are large construction sites, mind you. And the answer was 100, 200, 1,000. You have a couple hundred thousand sensors in a construction site, or if you have a large number of sensors in a factory floor, and they're all spewing data out to just gather all of that data and make sense of it and then turn it into insights and actions is what makes it exciting. I want to say what customers love about the Google Affero solution. Fundamentally, it's because it solves a lot of the issues that we just talked about, not just from a technical standpoint, but also, as you said, from a business standpoint. One of the things we see on the consumer side is that you build and send out these fabulous machines, but then the customer, when they receive it, they can't really claim it. When they try to onboard, so to say, or when they're actually activated or connected to the network, it's a little bit frustrating. You have to try and try again, and by the fifth try, you kind of get the hang of what you need to do where. But then they download software, you have to get in and out of applications, put in passwords. So simplifying that is quite awesome down to something like less than a minute. Even in an industrial setting, if you have a gadget that doesn't connect well, that's a problem. Uh, there are too many product returns as a result. We didn't talk too much about cybersecurity and the vulnerability that all of these machines represent. It's just a giant attack surface for the bad guys. And I know you guys have been doing a lot of advanced work in encryption and two-factor authentication and protecting data and protecting devices. So all of that is included in what we both provide and of course, the insight is all about the quality of data that comes in. So how do you sort and figure out the data at inception so that when it eventually makes it to the cloud, it's ready to go? That leads to a lot of support calls, and that's a cost if you have to send the technician to somebody's house or to on-site to a factory floor. Those are some of the examples of the Affero Google solution that I think is really pretty cool. Yeah, for our side, I think there's really two parts that it really boils down to. It's the simplification of device to cloud, you know, a securely connected device, get data to the cloud. 
Um, and that's really something that we, we see a Faro providing. And then it's also simplification of cloud to insight. So the ability to take the data generated off that device and, and do something with it that solves an actual business problem. You know, when you combine these two things together, we do really do have a solution that kind of covers that spectrum in a simple and scalable way. Because ultimately, to the points you're just making about an end user not being able to configure a device or making it harder for someone to have to do things, you know, we see that as, as not only a simplification issue, but also a scale issue. You know, if you sit five people down in a room and give them a solution and tell them to stitch it together, well, that's fine, but can't sit with every person or every one of your customers. So how do you create an experience that's incredibly simple for someone to configure and set up and then also scale to potentially hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of end users. So I think when you look at the Google and the Afero combination, it really addresses both those concerns. You know, I think scale is a, it's a great topic to mention anytime the word Google is included. But to your point, uh, doing everything in terms of easy to use, secure, response time, that is sub-second response time, that you don't click a button and then nothing happens, so you kind of click again because nothing happened and then it happened twice and all of that frustrating things that happens, all of that, elastic scaling, you mentioned serverless architecture and that totally supports that. To bring all of that at scale is just a different ballpark. Uh, so we've talked to customers who've kind of rolled their own and it's quite good and dandy in the lab. It's really nice if you have like 20 devices, but the moment they roll out a few hundred, a few thousand, hundreds of thousands, then the whole scale issue shows up in a big way. Absolutely. Yeah, it's one thing to roll out 10 or 100 devices. It's another to roll out 1,000 or 100,000. It poses a whole new set of challenges. And, and ultimately, from the customers that we speak with who have tried to do this on their own, um, as you mentioned, it's very similar that really at the end of the day, the challenge is ultimately about scale, scale and ROI. Absolutely. And I think another message to customers is that if you think scale is in your future, and it really is, then you better go with something that has already been proven at that scale and you can scale into it rather than into the unknown. Thank you so much, Travis. Thanks for being part of the show. Thanks for the cooperation and the joint activities that we're doing together as companies. Any parting comments? I would just say, yeah, we're very well positioned to help customers in this space. And so I appreciate you inviting me on here and allowing me to, to chat with you and look forward to doing more types of these things again soon. Thank you so much. Thank you all for listening. Until next time.